How do you know God's will? How does a human being know the will of God? I've been a pastor for a number of years, and one of the questions that I receive the most frequently from church members and really just people in general, how do I know God's will? How do I, how do I reconcile my will with His will, and how do I know what God wants from me and what God wants me to do? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we look at doctrines of the Christian faith and some aspects of systematic theology. And so far in our podcast, we have been looking at the doctrine of God. Does God exist? Can God be known? What is God like? And then we start looking at the character of God, the incommunicable attributes and the communicable attributes of God. And in this podcast, we're going to consider the aspect of God's will. God's will. Now, by definition, God's will is that attribute of God whereby He approves and determines to bring about actions necessary for the existence and activity of Himself and that of all creation. So let's begin talking about just some aspects, general aspects of God's will. And first of all, the Bible states that there are four areas specifically that are the will of God. Uh, Paul talks about Ephesians 1.11. This is the first area. Frequently, Scripture talks about God's will as the final or ultimate reason for everything that happens. Paul says in Ephesians 1.11, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now that phrase, all things, is interesting in Greek. It's ta penta, used frequently by Paul many times, in fact. But here he's talking about creation, so the word translated works there in ergo is a present participle, and that suggests to us continual activity. So the phrase that Paul mentions there in Ephesians 1 more explicitly might be translated God who continually brings about everything in the universe according to the counsel of His will. Now, more specifically, all things we're told in the Bible were created by God's will. Uh, it says in Revelation 4.11, For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So the first aspect of God's will is we know that God created and continues to create according to the counsel of His will. But a second aspect of God's will that we know of is specifically in an area where God controls is human government. That's really important to remember in, in our day. Both Old Testaments and or Old and New Testaments speak of human government as coming about according to the will of God. The voice from heaven tells Nebuchadnezzar that he is to learn that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he wills. That's Daniel 4.32. And then Paul, Romans 13.1, says there's no authority except from God and, that, and, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So, first of all, we see that all things were created and continue to be created by His will. But second of all, we're told specifically in Scripture that human governments 
are the will of God. Now, we may look at those and say, wow, they are so evil. It's an evil regime or, or it's, a, it's a, an administration that goes against the word of God. But we have to remember Old and New Testaments both tell us human government is a part of the will of God. Third area, and this is kind of difficult for us to, to, uh, to understand, third and fourth areas of God's will, but the third area is that the death of Jesus was God's will. The church of Jerusalem, they believe that. They believe that all the events connected with the death of Christ were according to God's will. Acts 4, 27, 28, uh, we're told that, where it says, uh, truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Wow, that's, a, that's Acts 4, 27 and 28. So Luke is telling us in the book of Acts that even the early church knew the will of God was for Jesus to be put to death. <clears throat> Sometimes, <clears throat> fourthly, it is God's will that Christians suffer. Now that's a little harder for us to wrap our minds around as well, but these four areas immediately we talk about is God's will in general. First of all, all things created according to the counsel of His will. Second of all, human government. Third of all, the death of Christ. But we see in 1 Peter 3, 17, it is God's will that Christians suffer. 1 Peter 3, 17, Peter writes, it is better to suffer for doing good if that be God's will than for doing evil. So don't omit the phrase there, if it's God's will, because it very well may be. The following chapter, Peter says, 1 Peter 4, 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So there again, suffering is connected in the early church to the will of God. So that phrase, according to God's will, cannot refer to the manner in which Christians endure suffering. Then, then it would make the verse say essentially, let those who suffer while doing right, do right, and trust their souls to God. That's not what it says. This would make the phrase, according to God's will, redundant. So we know from this passage that it is God's will that Christians suffer. And brothers and sisters, if you're, if you're there today, remember that it is told in Scripture, it may be God's will that you go through that time. In fact, James encourages us to see all the events of our lives as subject to God's will. You remember James in chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Today or tomorrow, he says, we'll go into such a city and spend a year or trade and make a profit. And then James says, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, I will live and do this or that. So, we're attributing many aspects of our lives to the will of God. Now, those are just some general statements, first of all, on, on the will of God. The rest of our time, I want us to think about distinctions in aspects of God's will. Primarily, let's make two distinctions, talk about both. 
The first distinction is, applied to aspects of God's will, is the distinction between God's necessary will and God's free will. God's necessary will and God's free will. And then the second distinction is between uh, God's secret will and God's revealed will. His secret will and His revealed will. So, first of all, let's go back and let's look at this, the distinction between God's necessary will and God's free will. Now, God's necessary will includes everything that He must will according to His nature. What does God will necessarily? Well, He wills Himself. God eternally wills to be or wants to be who He is and what He is. That's a part of the phrase, I am who I am or I will be what I will be from Exodus 3.14. So God cannot choose to be different than He is or cease to exist. So first of all, God's necessary will revolves around the fact of who He is. He must be who He is. And so that's His necessary will. But let's talk a little bit about God's free will. God's free will includes all things that God decides to will but has no necessity to will it according to his nature. So here you have to put God's decision to create the universe. That's his free will. All decisions related to the details of that creation, those are God's free will. And here you also, I believe, have to place all of God's acts of redemption. There was nothing in God's nature that required Him to save us. Nothing that required Him to save you or to save me. It was His free will that decided to do that. Create the universe to redeem out of sinful mankind a people for Himself. However, God did decide to create and He did decide to redeem and those were totally free choices on his part. He did not have to do that. I hear from time to time preachers or theologians say, well, God had to redeem his creation. No, he didn't, he didn't have to do that. He has to be true to his nature. But outside of that, those are free choices to create and to redeem and to make us his people. God's decisions to do all of those are totally free decisions. So, that's the distinction between God's necessary will and God's free will. Now for the rest of our portion, spend 10, 15 minutes or so uh, on God's secret will versus His revealed will. What does God secretly want to happen versus what does God reveal that He wants to happen. And I think sometimes we struggle as believers, where do we fit into God's will? How, do, how does my will fit into God's will? How do, what I'm supposed to do with my life, or am I supposed to change jobs, or am I supposed to marry a certain person? How do we know God's revealed will to us. So let's talk about his secret will and his revealed will. 
Now, even in our experience, we know that we're able to will some things secretly and then only later make this will known to other people. We, we do that as humans. Sometimes we tell others before the thing that we would have will comes about, and at other times we do not reveal our secret until the, what we will has happened. And God does the same thing. Surely a distinction between different aspects of God's will is evident in a lot of passages of Scripture. Let's look at some. According to Moses, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, quote, The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, end quote. So those things that God has revealed are given to us for the purpose of obeying His will, that we may do all the words of the law, Moses said. So there were many other aspects of His plan that He had not revealed to them yet. Many details about future events or specific details of hardship or a blessing in their lives and so forth. And so with regard to these matters, they were simply to trust Him. And it's the same with us. Sometimes God reveals to us what He's going to do through Scripture. And sometimes we simply trust Him that His will will be revealed in actions, in decisions, in events, in circumstances. And so sometimes we just simply trust Him. Because God's revealed will usually contains commands or precepts for our moral conduct, God's will is sometimes also call, called God's will of precept in theological circles or God's will of command. So in other words, He commands us to do some things, and that's a part of His will, for example, His laws. And this revealed will of God is God's declared will concerning what we should do or what God commands us to do. Now, on the other hand, God's secret will includes most of His hidden decrees by which He governs the universe and determines everything that will happen. He does not ordinarily reveal these decrees to us, maybe prophecies of the future, but for the most part He does not, so that the decrees of God are, quote, secret to us. Those are the secret things of God. Now, there are several instances in the Bible where Scripture mentions God's revealed will in the Lord's Prayer. You might remember Jesus praying, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning, may your will be done is a prayer that people would obey God's revealed will, His commands on earth, just as they do in heaven fully and completely. This could not be a prayer that God's secret will would in fact be fulfilled for what God has done in secret will certainly come to pass later, but to ask God to bring about what He's already declared to happen would simply be to pray, may what's going on to, what's going to happen, happen. That'd kind of be a hollow prayer, really, if you think about it. That'd be a fatalistic prayer. So, since we do not know God's secret will about the future, the 
person praying a prayer for God's secret will to be done would never know what he or she's praying for. It would be a prayer without understandable content, without effect, really. So rather the prayer is, your will be done, it's understood as an appeal for God's revealed will to be followed on earth. So each of us should follow God's revealed will. Now, as Jesus prayed that, that, that phrase is understood, of course, and it provides us a pattern for us to pray on the basis of God's command in Scripture. In this excuse me, sense, Jesus provides us with a guide for an exceedingly broad range of prayer requests. Uh, this teaching encourages us to pray, for example, that people would repent of their sins and trust Jesus as Savior. We know that from John 1.12. But praying, your will be done, also means it's right to pray, for example, that specific people would honor their father and mother. That's a commandment. That is a prayer, your will be done, that people wouldn't murder. That's a commandment. Praying his will be done means people wouldn't commit adultery. Praying his will be done means people wouldn't steal or bear false witness or covet because those are all commandments. So to pray these things is to pray that God's revealed will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the same reason, it's also right to pray that society would not excuse or glorify sins as much of society does today. If we understand your will be done to reveal, reveal God's, or rather refer to God's revealed will, then that means all the moral teachings of Scripture provide guidelines for how we should pray about God's will. Now, a little later, Jesus said, you might remember, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 7, 21. And so we can see the reference here cannot be to God's secret will. It must be to his revealed will. Now, on the other hand, a lot of passages talk about God's secret will. For example, whenever James, well, I mentioned James 4, 4, 4, 15, he says, if the Lord wills, we will live or do this or that. He can't be talking about God's revealed will or will of precept uh, because we don't know that. We don't know his, his secret will. So we have to just simply trust the secret will of God that would overcome pride and express humble dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's another example, Genesis 50, 20. You may remember Joseph. Whenever Joseph said, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. That means to bring about the many people should be kept alive as they are today. So God's revealed will to Joseph's brothers was that they should love him and not steal from him or kill him or put him into slavery. But God's secret will was that in the disobedience of Joseph's brothers, a greater good would be done. When Joseph sold into slavery, gained authority in Egypt, and was able to save his family. So there you have an instance of God's revealed will being disobeyed by Joseph's brothers, but God's secret will still being done. And folks, that happens today. I think sometimes people think, well, my actions will hinder God's will from being done. 
It, it may his revealed will, but sometimes his secret will can still be accomplished. And that's what Romans 8, 28 is all about. All things work together for good. I, people may disobey God's revealed will, but his secret will can still be accomplished. All things still can work together for good. You might remember Paul talking to the Corinthians and he said, 1 Corinthians 4, 19, I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. Well, he was speaking of God's will to be done. Paul had determined in obedience to God in the fulfillment of his apostolic office. He wanted to go visit the Corinthians. But he was speaking here rather of God's secret will, his hidden plan for the future. If God wills this, I will come. And so, folks, I believe that we need to keep our God's revealed will and, and be in obedience to that. And as we do, we will see God's secret will revealed in our lives. So many times people come to me, Pastor, I, I just want to know what the will of God is. But they're not obedient to what God has already revealed them to do as it is. How do you know God's secret will when you do not obey His revealed will? So this is a great distinction to make. And hopefully you get a hold of it today, realizing the difference between what God has revealed to you to do and what God secretly wants you to do. So don't skip to the secret part of God's will when you are disobeying what He's already revealed to you that He wants to happen in your life. So how do you know the will of God? I believe you obey what you know to obey. Be, be obedient to the revealed will of God, and then God will reveal His secret will to you and He will direct your paths. Well, it gets a, got a little confusing sometimes, and it can whenever you talk about the will of God. Hopefully today, I didn't confuse you more. Hopefully it, you gained some insight into God's revealed will and His uh, secret will and God's uh, necessary will and His free will, and then look at some aspects of, of what Scripture teaches concerning the will of God. I hope you'll join us for our next podcast. We'll continue to look at the doctrine of God a little bit further. So join us next time for our next podcast. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.